0: Good evening everyone, broadcasting live, May 1st, 2016. Today's quote is from the Anguttara Nikaya, again, this time the book of fours, and again the quote only show, Only. Uh, singles out part of the sutta and again this isn't the words of the Buddha this is the words of Ananda Ananda was the attendant and cousin of the Buddha and he spent much of the Buddha's later life caring for him and following him around and listening to him and gathering and remembering the Buddha's teachings. And a very good memory it seems. So it's unsurprising that people would come to him for the Dhamma perhaps after the Buddha passed away because Ananda is one of the one of the great monks who uh, outlived the Buddha. Uh, Sariputta and Moggallana, the Buddha's two chief disciples, passed away before the Buddha did. But Ananda lived on. Ananda was lived to 120, so the legend goes. And uh, before he died, he... Uh, he 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 knew that uh, what was it both sides of his family were going to fight out, fight over his relics so if he died if, when he was sick and dying he went to stay with his family but both families wanted to stay with him to stay with them i was i'm maybe just making this up but the end at the end result is he f- he flew up into the air and Spontaneously combusted, and half of his half, and and made a determination so that half of his relic, his bones, went to on either side of the fence, kind of thing, something like that. The river, maybe I think it was a river. There's a lot of stories like this. But Ananda's a special, uh, special monk. Would we? The the idea we get about him is he was. Um, very compassionate and interested in helping people who were uh, maybe had a hard time or he he was moved to compassion in ways that other monks maybe weren't and uh, so he was moved to compassion moved by compassion to um, speak up for the bhikkhunis even after the Buddha Cautioned against ordaining women, Ananda kind of pushed the Buddha to ordain women. And of course, that's a whole issue. But I mean, it—it it, is an argument to be had for why the Buddha was hesitant. I mean, it, whether you agree or not, the—the point being that uh, you know it makes it more difficult. You can say, well, that's no excuse, and it really isn't in the end. But certainly um, when you're trying to be celibate, uh, and, and the majority of those trying to be celibate are men, are, are, are heterosexual men, bringing women into the mix makes it more difficult, so it was hesitant. And also in India, women were perhaps sheltered, so there's, that, there's arguments. But Ananda was not having any of it and really kind of uh, convinced the Buddha to to, uh, ask. And he taught laymen, laywomen. He was big on teaching people. He was really helpful towards women especially. actually got him in some trouble sometimes because women would take fancy to him. And... uh, he was never moved by that uh, he was never he, he even claimed that he would never had any sexual desire for a woman as a monk anyway all this is beside the point there are these four so they came to ananda and ananda just taught them these four Um, what are called the parisuddhi padhani angani parisuddhi means purity padhaniya (coughs) padhaniya means something you should strive for angani, anga is is just members or things so are these four things regarding which you should strive for the purity of for the purification of, so four things you should try to purify, should strive to purify. Katamani, Tatari, what are these four? Number one, sila parisundipadanyangam. The striving for the purification of virtue, and that's where the quote comes from. Number two, chitta parisuddhi padhaniangang. Striving for the purification of, of mind. Number three, diktip parisuddhi padhaniangang. Striving for the purification of view, and number four, pari mm-hmm. Striving for the purification of release, freedom. So these four, we should strive to purify, strive to complete. So the with the quote, the one first one that the quote talks about is purification of moral virtue. See that. And we this is we talked a little bit about this last night, the the precepts and rules and keeping rules and in general rules. If you have the right rules, they tend to be a good guide for your behavior, and so we purify them. We look and see which rules we're breaking, which rules we tend to break, and then we work to uh, stop breaking those rules. What what is impure in regards to, or, or unfulfilled in regards to our, I will fulfill those virtues or those rules Specifically dealing with rules, sikapada, uh, that are not fulfilled. i not strive to fulfill them. So, some people keep the five precepts and then they don't keep the eight precepts and then they strive to keep the eight precepts. Some people keep the eight precepts and then they strive to keep the ten precepts and then some people keep the ten precepts and then they strive to become a monk and keep many more precepts and then you have the precepts and then you break them and then you strive not to break them you work to purify them and then there's this curious statement those that are fulfilled tat tat I will I will uh support with wisdom support those that are are fulfilled with wisdom here or there or or again and again or uh, where appropriate so the commentary doesn't give much explanation of what this means but i guess it means um because it's easy to keep the letter of the rule right and so you can say oh I'm I'm keeping all these rules fine like you can keep the five precepts and still be you could still be a bad person keeping the five precepts so it's about filling in the gaps and it's about fulfilling the purpose of the precepts with wisdom so you might not kill but you can still be very angry and you can still want to hurt or, or even kill and you you might not steal but you still covet that of others and are jealous and so on uh, you don't cheat but you still feel desire and you you, uh, you don't have the understanding of hurting others of, of what it means to hurt others and what is the result of hurting others so you use wisdom to augment that because keeping the precepts there's a sort of there's a this idea that even... If it's, hard, if it's painful, keeping the precepts is a good thing. And people might question that. They think, well, if, it's, if whatever you're doing is, is causing you suffering, why would you do it? But then we can ask the question, Well, suppose there's an alcoholic or a drug addict, and if they stop taking drugs and they go through withdrawal, would you say that's a reason to go back to taking drugs? Of course not. And that's really all this is, it's a kind of a withdrawal. When you keep precepts, when you keep these rules that, say the eight precepts or so on, it's quite unpleasant for the first time. This is because you're going through withdrawal. Doesn't mean that it's wrong, in fact, it's a good sign. a Sign that you're actually dealing with the problem instead of placating it with your addiction. So that's the first one, sila parisuddhi padhanyang. second one is the thing that should be, ought to be purified, uh, which we call the mind, the citta parisuddhi, the mind, or not the mind, mind. It's a difficult one to translate because literally it does mean the mind or minds but uh, it's not exactly that, it's, it's the purification of mind states because it's not, it's not the end of the line, right? Chitta parisuddhi Suddhi is just, is actually just a concentration. So your mind is pure, that's great, but it's not your whole mind. It's not the mind in an abstract sense, it's just a mind in an in a absolute sense, in the sense of this mind being pure this moment of mind so as you practice meditation you'll find you'll you'll after some time after you become proficient you'll find these states arising where you're peaceful where you're pure where your mind just feels completely free from attachment or craving or aversion your mind will be a, in a clear state in a pure state and we talk about the four jhanas and they're just the explanations about these sorts of states of mind where you you, you don't have any liking or disliking or drowsiness or distraction or doubt no pleasant no like no uh, judgment no reaction just purity of mind that's quite useful because it allows you to see clearly if you then focus that on reality You'd be able to see things in ways that you weren't able to see things when you were judging them, when you were reacting to them. So that's really what the meditation is all about. And meditation is getting yourself in the in in the, the frame of mind so that you can accomplish the third one, which is purification of view, views and opinions. Clearing yourselves up, clearing yourself up, your mind up. Uh, in regards to your beliefs, your opinions, your your you know, the things you hold to be true. And this is the, this is really the heart of the matter because it's not about calming yourself down; it's about uh, rightening yourself. You know, purifying the source because the source of our our mind states the source which determines whether we're going to uh, have a wholesome mind or an unwholesome mind a pure mind or an impure mind is our view our, 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 our outlook so if you have the view that certain things are worth attaining you'll strive after them if you have this view that certain things are Worth avoiding, you'll avoid them. If the view that it's right to, good to be angry and greedy and deluded, then you'll, you'll do things that give rise to those those states, and you'll give rise to those things. If you have views that are, <coughs> views that greed, anger, and delusion are 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 wrong, or you see. See them as being a problem, then you're less likely to give rise to those emotions. So it's about purifying your view. And in fact, it's not about attaining any one view or any outlook. It's not about acquiring an outlook. It's about um, acquiring an understanding of things as they are. So it's not really a view in the end, except in the literal sense that you're able to view things as they are. Your view is in line with reality. That's really all we're aiming for. We're not aiming to claim anything. The only claim we make is that if you look, uh, you'll see things as they are. And once you see things as they are, you will agree with us that they are this way, that we can all come to an agreement on the way things are. A big part of this, as I've mentioned before, is uh, a paradigm shift. And that's what I tried to explain in the second volume on how to meditate, and I think the first chapter, one of the first chapters, um, is that we tend to look at reality in terms of the world around us. Obviously, I mean, who doesn't, right? If you ask what is real, well, this room, you know, we're sitting in this room, but in fact, that's really just a projection. All of that is still dependent upon something more basic, And and that's where we shift our focus. So instead of looking at the world in terms of the room around us, we look at it in terms of our perception of what then becomes the room around us. And so experience. We base reality on experience. And that's the the beginning of right view. Uh, Because without that, there's there's no way we can be sure that we're all going to come to the same conclusion. Um, because this is, the room here is abstract. Some people think it's nice, some people don't like it. Uh, our perception of the room can be quite different. Some people looking at it from one direction, some people from another. No, this is what leads to... so to uh, In the world, it leads to so much conflict and confusion and, and misunderstanding so on but you can't have that when you look at experience experience is, is more basic and it doesn't change based on your perception of it it is what it is you might want it to be otherwise but it it, it is uh, it is what is real so that's what comes and goes and changes yeah that's ditti parisuddhi and number four is, is purification of freedom or purification through freedom maybe it's um, it's the fourth you know once you have right view right view is for what right view is for freedom we want to see things as they are so we can free ourselves from the prison that we've placed ourselves in this prison of desire and aversion and delusion We trap ourselves, we uh, bind ourselves to certain the way we think things should be and the way we think things shouldn't be by uh, the things we think I am and the things I am not, the things I want to be, the things I don't want to be, that kind of thing. And so this fourth one, Ananda says, uh, with the other three, with purification of sila, jitta, and ditya, Uh one, one, rajaniye su dhamme su one becomes dispassionate about dhammas, about things, that one might be passionate about one frees oneself from dhammas from things that one should free oneself from and having done so one touches or attains right release, right freedom this is called purification through release or of release So these are the four parisuddhi yangani uh, that were taught <coughs> by that blessed one who knows and sees and is an enlightened self, a self-enlightened Buddha. They were taught for the purification of beings, for the overcoming of sorrow, lamentation, and despair for the, for the eradication, for the overcoming of uh, samadhikamaya, for the destruction of physical pain and mental pain, uh, for the giving up, for freeing oneself, for attaining the right path and for seeing with, for oneself Nibbana. That's a standard. That's actually what the Buddha taught. It's a quote from the Buddha from the Satipatthana Sutta. Satanang visuddhiya soka parideva nang samati kamaya dukkha domanasanang atangamaya nyayasa adhikamaya Nibba, nibbana sa satchikiriyaya. So, four good things. Another way of looking at the path is, I mean, there's a lot of these where the Buddha would. Um, Alan is taking this from the Buddha's teaching. This is four things that uh, that really um, condense the path, because you ha- you know when you're teaching, you have to remind people of you know, the the roadmap, the direction, where are we going, and this is a complete roadmap. You start with sila and then with morality you you train yourself in right behavior and right speech to keep yourself ethical, moral, virtuous and then you begin to focus the mind and so you practice meditation and as you do that you start to see things clearly. You start to see, well, the four noble truths in the end. You see nama, rupa, you see (coughs) three characteristics, you see the four noble truths. And then finally, vimutti—you become free. Quite simple. And it's good to have these guides because it keeps us, reminds us of the very straight and straightforward nature of the Buddhist teaching. Not getting caught up in details or getting off track, because it's so easy for us to get let our minds to allow us to wander and get lost and. On the wrong path, the path that leads to stress and suffering. It's good for us to remember these things. Okay, so that's the dhamma for this evening. We have any questions? guy who couldn't quit talking even when another guy was shooting dung into his mouth huh that's from the jatakas believe. which jataka now are fully enlightened beings amoral hmm good question no i wouldn't hmm I guess I wouldn't say that. I mean, it really depends how you look at it, and it's just words, right? Um, So some people might want to say that. people might want to say that, but um, they're actually quite moral. An enlightened being is a, it keeps the precepts purely and will not break from them. But that's but that's really because there's a sense that morality is intrinsic to reality. Reality is not immoral. Reality is moral it's from a Dhammapada I don't think the story itself maybe it is pretty sure it's from the Jatakas though. let me see I'm pretty sure it's a Jataka story uh, it may be in the Dhammapada as well or it may, I may be wrong I can't remember but uh, I know the story I can't think off the top of my head the exact Jataka. Well, the Jatakas are on uh, <clears throat> are on the internet. Just read them. Read them and tell us which one it is. There's only 547 of them. 50, 547. Well, I can probably find them here. I have a... Here. And I dropped a ball of dung. Hmm. No, there's too many of them. Wait, they're rare. Hmm. Maybe it's in the Dhammapada. Anyway, if anybody finds it, you want, please pass it along. It was, yeah, I'm pretty sure because it's it starts with trying to get this guy to be quiet, and so every time he he talks, he, he shoulda ball of dung into his mouth and i'm pretty sure it's a cause for telling a story of the past pretty sure it's a cause for a jataka for telling a jataka anyway yes we should purify our virtue We have to work at it Anyway, any other questions? If not, then say have a good night. See you all tomorrow. Okay, good night.